Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we all need to do to live a better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is June the 27th, 2018. It is a Wednesday, and this is episode 2239 of the Survival Podcast, and today we have... Jessica Dixie Mills on the triple crown of hiking, on rebooting in nature through long-distance backpacking, and monetizing your hobbies and passions. Uh, Dixie's a cool gal, man. I, I met her first couple years ago when she had just finished through hiking the Appalachian Trail. Um, I myself took a uh, section hike on that trail many, many years ago. Um, Quite frankly, it makes me sound old, but I guess uh, Jessica would have probably not yet been old enough for kindergarten when I did my uh, section hike. Uh, she did something much more impressive, though, uh, at least at that time. She had hiked the entire Appalachian Trail from Georgia to Maine, where I had hiked from Pennsylvania to New Hampshire as kind of a reboot, which is exactly what she's here to talk to us about today, uh, after I got out of the Army, because I just, well, I, I, I just couldn't really fit back into society, and I needed something to kind of change up where I was at mentally. And uh, having done that, I have an incredible respect for someone that, that could you know, do the entire trail. Well, you know what she did is right after that, she went and hiked what's called the Pacific Rim Trail. And that's basically the Pacific Coast version of the Appalachian Trail. And you know what she's doing right now? She's in the middle of a hike on the Continental Divide Trail. And those three together are what's known as Hiking's Triple Crown. That's that's an incredible achievement. And uh, given her success already on the Appalachian and Pacific Rim trails, um, I, I, I can't see how that she she's not going to be successful uh, and complete this hike that she's in the middle of it and get that Triple Crown, which is pretty amazing. And did I say Pacific Rim Trail? It's the PCT. It's the Pacific Crest Trail. I guess I have Pacific Rim in my head from all the talk of volcanoes recently that's been in the news or whatever. Um, but the Pacific Crest Trail. So the Pacific Crest Trail, the Appalachian Trail, the Continental Divide Trail. Uh, she's going. She's in the middle of finishing that last one, accomplishing that Triple Crown. Um, and that's about being a winner. And I actually have a really cool song for you guys today at the end of the show about being a winner. And, and some thoughts on that and how it applies to something like what, uh, what Jessica's doing. She's also done a real good job of figuring out how to monetize this stuff, which is something a lot of you guys are out there making content, but not necessarily making any income off of it. And uh, she's done a really good job. She's uh, definitely followed the Spirico School of Thought on how she set up her website and monetization and things like that. Uh, she's here to talk to us about all of that and more, and this is about getting out in the wilderness and about independence in your life, both through lifestyle choices and through earning income without necessarily having to work a J-O-B. All very relevant to modern survivalism. And we'll have her on in just a moment. Before we do that, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today, westernbotanicals.com. You know, I really was excited when we brought Western Botanicals on, I guess, oh, nine years ago now. Because I wanted a place to say, hey, if you need herbal supplements, if you need herbal medicine, if you need uh, raw herbs, if you need anything like that, this is a place you can go. 
And the problem that I had was that that industry generally is a cesspool. And, and I'm not happy about saying that, but it generally is. This cures cancer, and you see the blue guy that took too much silver, and that gets lumped in with it, and colloidal this, and coral calcium that, and just, just on and on, nonsensical bullshit. You know, if he's got cancer, rub some comfrey on it, it'll be all right. You know, I mean, that type of thing. And, and there's so many wonderful things that we're, that herbs can do, and there's so many good things that herbs can do for us, uh, and, and especially in the treating of, of chronic uh, problems or in avoiding problems in the first place. There's just no need for that BS, you know. And, and when I found Western Botanicals, I found a partner that I knew if, if I said you go here, you'll get the quality, you'll get no false claims, you'll get everything you would expect to get from a sponsor of this show in that space. You'll get either wild uh, foraged herbs or you'll get organically grown herbs, you know, and, and you can always trust them. And if you pick the phone up and call them, someone will say, hello, this is Western Botanicals, how may I help you, instead of getting somebody in Bangalore or New Delhi or something like that that you can't really understand, but they say their name is Tom or Sue. Uh, and I found all of that in Western Botanicals, and it's been a great relationship. If it's herbal and legal and it exists in the United States, you'll find it there. And they do give away their premium membership to all members of the TSP Member Support Brigade for free for the first year, half price thereafter. That that alone covers your MSB. And, and this is really great stuff from really great people. Check them out today at westernbotanicals.com. Next up today, Self-Reliance Magazine. This was brought to us by the people that we relied on for over two decades uh, to bring us Backwoods Home Magazine. They've kind of evolved into the modern world. We are in 2018 now. Uh, incredible information, great writing, really thick quarterly magazine. You get it four times a year, but, uh, you know, it's I get magazines that are monthlies, and I'm like, I don't even know why I have a subscription to this thing anymore because by the time I get rid of the ads and read what's actually there, you know, it's, 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 it's one or two trips to the morning bathroom, you know, and it's gone. Uh, it's like getting a, a really great little book on self-reliance once a quarter, four times a year. Uh, they do a discount for members of the MSB. It, it's kind of like, this magazine reminds me a lot of what Mother Earth News was like uh, way back when Jack Spierka was a little kid and had to steal it from his grandpa to read it. And it wasn't full of a bunch of politics and bullshit. That, that's, that's what this is. Check it out today if you long for those old days of Mother Earth News. Uh, you'll find it with a little bit of libertarian flair, but almost no politics at all over at self-reliance.com. And... As you might guess, they do a discount for members of the MSB. little shout-out to them, too. Since they are basically the evolution of Backwoods Home, these guys have been with me now for like seven years in the world of podcasting. We have the best sponsors in the world, guys. Think about it. Tell me a I, – I, this is a challenge to anybody. Tell me a podcast that exists today that, that has, first of all, has ten sponsors. I got, I got a dozen. But ten sponsors who have been with them – for more than seven years. Go ahead. If you give me that, I'll give you a lifetime MSB for free if you can show me one. That's the awesomeness in our sponsors. So, so really, always consider doing business with them because, man, they're just great people, all of them. Before we get into uh, talking to Jessica today, let's take a look at a year in history to get some historical perspective in our lives. We have a little short one today. In the year 142 A.D., we have the Antonian Wall. Uh, this year, construction begins on the Antonian Wall. It was built around 100 miles north of Hadrian's Wall. It was smaller than Hadrian's Wall and was constructed from wood and turf instead of stone. 
It was openly intended to extend Rome's territory north into Scotland and took 12 years to complete. My take by David Verne that puts these together for us at tspwiki.com. Um, the new emperor, Antonius, had no military victories and had spent his entire career in administrative roles. This wall was meant to give him some military credibility. Ultimately, it turned out to be just a PR stunt because it was abandoned for Hadrian's Wall only eight years after its completion, which had been 20 years after its start. Is that anything like you know the little thing they called the bridge to nowhere? Is that anything like the, uh, the former Ascalon and Chief Obama's um, stimulus program where they built a guardrail uh, for a dam that never was built? So they had a guardrail so you didn't go in the lake for the dam that they never built. They built that. They built a turtle tunnel for $9 million in Florida. Uh, that didn't really do much good. Uh, they, they said that they created a bunch of jobs and put $6 million into my local community where I was living at the time in Arlington, Texas, And I bet they did spend $6 million. I have no doubt about that. Because there was like multi-million dollars worth of leased construction equipment, excavators and shit like that. And they had this project going on. And it had a big sign that said they were putting $6 million into our community. And for four months, all those excavators and trenchers and shit sat there and did nothing. I'm sure that cost a million dollars by itself. In the end, they put a pipe across an intersection and put a divider in the intersection that probably could have been done in a week. Both of those. I used to do directional boring. Okay, so I could have put that pipe in in less than a week. Uh, permits and shit like that. Okay, maybe it took a week for somebody to do that. A week for the guy to put the pipe in. Another week for him to hook it up. But they spent months and, and millions of dollars for a sign and equipment to sit there for a PR stunt. From what my knowledge is, that pipe that never really even got used. It connected two sewer lines together, two sewer lines that do return sewer. But the, the, those two sewer lines were already working. They didn't really need to be connected. It didn't really do anything. So PR stunts with building projects, spending taxpayer money to make the guy in charge look good, Not new, still around. More things change. Folks, you know the rest of that, don't you? The more they stay the same, especially when it comes to ass clowns in charge, the state and politics. And we're not going to go down that road today because we got better stuff to talk about. On that note, makes me real happy to bring back on the show for her second appearance. Really cool gal and uh, really inspirational person, in my opinion, Jessica Dixie Mills. Jessica. Welcome back to the Survival Podcast. I'm fine. Thank you for having me back on. I'm feeling pretty good today. Got my feet propped up in town, and you know, so I couldn't ask for any more than that right now. <laughs> when you're on a long hike, taking a shower, eating real food, and sleeping in a bed is pretty cool, isn't it? <laughs> it absolutely. And I play that game with myself on the way to every town. I'm like, of those three things, Which one do I want the most right now? <laughs> mm. So I've got you on today to talk about long-distance hiking, um, rebooting through nature, monetizing your hobbies and passions. Before we get to that, for people that maybe are not familiar with you, didn't hear you were on the show before, didn't come to the workshop you were at here, or haven't been following your awesome YouTube channel, tell us who Jessica Dixie Mills is uh, prior to this uh This world of hiking, like, like, what's your background? You go back to your like high school, trying to figure out what to do with your life, and you go on to college. How how'd that all work out? Yeah, so I was I was actually kind of like you. I moved several times at a young age, but I moved from Florida to Alabama when I was 14, and I'm 
oldest of five kids. And so I started actually taking care of my grandparents at that age. Um, and my parents were still in Florida. I mean, you know, when, when desperate things happen, you know, you just take desperate measures to fix them as a family. So, you know, I volunteered and moved up there and uh, spent a lot of time with my, my papa, who at the time was 84 and I was 14. And, you know, there's not a whole lot that those two people have in common, but, but we made it work. <laughs> and so, um, so I grew up pretty, pretty quickly. And, uh, yeah, I went to high school, um, you know, was like second in my class, you know, just made straight A's and then went into college for engineering because, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. That's the, the only way to be successful in life. And uh, so I did that and I graduated from Auburn University with a degree in biosystems engineering and a minor in agronomy and tools. And uh, I landed a job with uh, uh, NRCS, I know you're familiar with them, and um, a part of the USDA. And I worked with them for, uh, well, a while while I was in college and then after college, um, you know, I, I went into a full-time position, and I actually really enjoyed that job, and for a government job, I would say, you know, it really uh, wasn't one of the worst ones you could have, but I didn't want to work for the government anymore, so I decided to move west where I didn't know anybody to Colorado, and I worked in the old field for a while with Halliburton, and that was the most awful job I've had, and I had some, you know, pretty, pretty gross jobs, you know, um, some pretty crazy jobs, but yeah, that was the absolute worst. And uh, about well, while I was in college, I actually um, found your your show. I found the Survival Podcast, and so I've been listening through, you know, towards the end of my college years and during my time with NRCS and Halliburton. And I just hear you screaming into the mic, you know, if you're unhappy, you need to change your life. You know, like, why are you living this life that you're unhappy? And so I woke up one morning, and I was 28, and I was playing house with my two dogs in this cute little rental place. And I decided, you know, I'm doing the formula that they say that you should use to be happy, so why am I not happy? Hmm. And I just decided, you know, there was a dream that I'd had since I was a little girl, and that was through hiking the Appalachian Trail. So I said forget this, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave and I'm, I'm going to do that. And so I cashed in on what little retirement I had built up at that time <laughs> and went to go hike. And that's pretty much it. You know, I think I said this last time you were on and you kind of talked about this, but uh, there, there are high school teachers uh, that if you were to track them down and find them today as old people, if you told them that young people were out listening to Jack Spierko about their life choices, I think they might just go ahead and end it. They, they just might... <laughs> No, just find that old 38 that they had tucked away in the nightstand and just end it because it, like, the world is over. Um, so yeah. I find that interesting. But uh, I, I, I do mean that when I say, like, if you're not happy, then, like, go be happy being miserable at least. I mean, like, because if you're yeah, doing all the stuff exactly. that people say you're supposed to do and, and, like, you're like, this sucks. Well, then, yeah. like, what, what, what? So, okay, you're 28. You're gonna retire if you're lucky when you're 68. So you're gonna you're gonna be miserable for 40 more years so you can win, right? Like like how does well, how yeah. does that work? I I, I don't understand. Well, people live backwards. I people mean, people live, live backwards. backwards. <laughs> <laughs> they do. That they is do. one of the most um, profound, simple statements of our time. People live backwards. <laughs> and, and, and you're right. I mean, there's a lot of ways to take that. One is that like we wait till we're old to do all the shit we should have done when we were young. Because we can't do it when we're old, because now we're old, 
You know, I mean, exactly. and, and you could show me the 88-year-old guy that pulls a truck with his teeth or something, and I'll say, well, I can show you. A, I saw a guy on the Internet the other day get bit by a Taipan and didn't eat and get sick, and I, I would advise you to bet your life on that, right? So, like, no, those are the exceptions, no, right. right? We have this this finite time that we have complete control of our lives, and we got to make the most of it. Um, and I guess that's kind of what made you decide to step aside from the, you know, quote-unquote normal life. Uh, of a college yeah. grad with a degree and you had a career ahead of you and, and, and go and, off and on a student loan, a student loan debt. <laughs> and then yep. you're like, you're just walking yep. through the woods next. Like that's, that's how that works. Yep. That's basically how that works. <laughs> and I, I called up my mom. Well, I was actually out, um, when it finally came to a head, uh, a coworker who I knew was like stabbing me in the back, but he didn't know that I knew at the time, which doesn't matter. Anyway, <laughs> I, uh, I was, he was like, come out, come out and have, you know, happy hour with me and some other people. And the thing was, he had a personality of like a doorknob, you know. Okay. And so he knew that I could be like, hey, where are you from? You know, that I don't need a stranger and, and I talk a lot, right? Yeah. And he knew I could kind of warm him up and then he wanted to pitch the sale. And so I begrudgingly went because I'm like, free appetizers, free whiskey, I'm down, you know. So I went and uh, randomly at this place, not even having anything to do with the people that we're having happy hour with, there was this guy there. And he asked me what I liked about Colorado and that he was in town to interview for like a job. And, and so we got to talking and he had hiked the AP and I was like, wait, what part did you do? And he was like, all of it. And I was like, what? And I went home that night and I looked at myself in the mirror and I said out loud, like a crazy person, you're about to hike the Appalachian Trail. And I did. And I, I called my mom and I was like, I'm moving back to Alabama and in the spring I'm starting the AP. And she was like, oh God. <laughs> So, yeah, that's how it went. So, in all of this, like, so now you have no job. Uh, you're, you're wandering through the wilderness on your first hike, which was the Appalachian Trail. Yeah, my first backpacking trip, overnight trip ever, yep. So, I, you know, because didn't you tell me, like, this all started, like, one day when you were a little girl, like, you were somewhere and you saw the Appalachian Trail and it, it you you asked yep. your mom and she's like, yeah, you, you go from, like, Georgia to Maine and you're like, well, let's go. Like, yes, like, oh, just, exactly like, it's, well, it's Tuesday. We should be there Wednesday, right? That's how you are when you're six, right? <laughs> well, when, I, when you're five years old, you know, it makes sense. And I remember begging her, let's just walk a little while because I was like, maybe we'll get lost and we'll have to finish it, you know? <laughs> and she was just like, you can do that when you get older, you know? And I'm like, well, I will. And, and so, Boy, yeah. isn't there a lesson there, though? Because we tell kids, you can do that when you get older. Then they get older, yep. and what do we tell them? Oh, you got responsibilities you now. You don't have time to do that. Exactly. It, 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 you talk about humans living backwards, but uh, you know, speaking of backwards, so now you don't have a job. You're walking through the woods. Money's nice. You had some money saved up that you were able to use to, to fund this, but you decide like I, I would like it if money would come to me now, please. And without a job, you start monetizing things. How how, how did you begin to monetize? you know, the uh, the non-job of backpacking. Yeah, so I I had a, a girl that I actually went to college with, and um, we were chatting before I left to go, and she wanted to practice in video editing, and she's like, I can only take so many videos of my dog, you know, and edit them. <laughs> and uh, she said, you know, you're going out on this amazing journey, and not too many people are documenting stuff like this. And and so she said, uh, if you would capture some videos, I could kind of piece them together and, 
and and put them up on YouTube for you. And, you know, you might not get a following, but you might. And then you've got something to look back on on your journey. And I was like, okay, that sounds pretty good. And I, I didn't really think about it too much. But um, as soon as I left to start on the approach trail at Amicola Falls, I mean, I was like tearing up. I was just thinking, what have I gotten myself into? And so I just took out my phone and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to try to video some of this. So I said, hi. I'm about to hike the approach trail, you know, I just made a little video talking about what I was doing and it was kind of crazy. Like people actually wanted to watch this journey. And, um, and so, you know, more and more people subscribed as I went along. And at first it wasn't that great, you know, maybe, uh, towards the end of the hike, it was like a hundred dollars a month coming in, but you know, Hey, that's like two hotel rooms a month. You know? <laughs> um, so it, it just slowly started building from there. And honestly, I looked at what you and, you know, what other people have done to monetize things. And I'm like, well, if they could do that, why can't I apply that model to what I'm doing? You know, and, and so it slowly built up from there. Well, very cool. And in, in this, you know, we keep talking about the Appalachian Trail. That was your first hike. Uh, then you did the uh, Pacific Crest Trail. Now you're, you're on to the Continental Divide Trail. That's a triple crown of hiking. You want to talk to people about what that is and why it's a, such a cool thing? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, there are three main, I mean, there are a lot of hiking trails in the U.S., right? But there are three very well-known, or the most well-known, I would say, long-distance trails, and that is the Appalachian Trail. So it goes from Georgia to Maine, and it's about 2,200 miles. And then the Pacific Crest Trail, uh, which I know a lot of people have seen the movie Wild, you know, (laughs) um, with Reese Witherspoon, but that one goes from Mexico to Canada through California, Oregon, and Washington, and it's about 2,700 miles. And then uh, the Continental Divide Trail, which is the one that I'm in the middle of hiking right now, uh, goes from Mexico to Canada through New Mexico, Colorado, Wyoming, a little bit of Idaho, and, and Montana. Um, so, and this one's about 3,100 miles. And a through hike uh, is basically just you you complete that trail in a 12-month period. Now, you really only have about six months to do it just because of weather and everything. But but to be within, you know, the through-hiking standard, you, you go from one end to the other um, in a 12-month period, basically. So, um, but yeah, if you do all three of those trails, uh, then you're considered a triple crowner. And so, um, yeah, after after the AT at first, if, when I was standing on Katahdin and somebody had said, so do you think you'll like the PCT? I would have said not no, but hell no. <laughs> And then, like, and then after a few months, I was just like, man, I miss the simplicity of trail life, you know, and I'm, I just miss that so much, and I want more of that. And so um, then it was like, I'll do anything I can to, to get back out there. And uh, and then to me, once you start the second one, you know, it's one or three. So so the, the CDT, the one I'm on now, is just bound to happen, basically. Very cool. And uh, so you are on this one now. You're, you're well into it. Uh, you're in Colorado. Uh, are you are you northbound or southbound on the trail? I'm northbound. Okay, and so, I'm about eleven to twelve hundred miles in. Okay, so you're gonna you're gonna get through this, and so you're gonna then have the triple crown, right? Which is the Preakness yeah. and the Kentucky Derby. No, 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 it's the trails, right? So you're gonna have that, and then you're 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 done. You've done that. What are you gonna do next? So I'm thinking about some international. Uh, trails now, maybe in New Zealand, they've got the, well, I've heard people pronounce it different ways, but you know, in Alabama, we'd say T-Aurora. Uh, so there's the one over there. Um, there's 
the Camino de Santiago. There are, there are all sorts of um, international trails that I think I'd like to to check out. You know, I've really I feel like I've whooped most of the U.S. I've seen 47 of the 50 states now, and and I've hiked a lot of miles through the U.S. So I'm thinking that it's time to to see something else. And uh, so I so I think yeah I think maybe the Tierra would be a good one because you know it won't be as much of a culture shock as going to China, for example. Yeah, and where, where is that so, trail again? The Tierra? In New Zealand. In New Zealand, okay. Oh, that'd yeah. be cool. They, they make and I think it'll about, be like a three-month deal. So. They, they make movies about, like, hobbits and stuff there. It's got to be a cool place. <laughs> I mean... Exactly. Just, you know. Although Oregon last year with all of the fires looked like Mordor, so... <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I've heard, I've heard some cool movies are made over there. Yeah, yeah. So, um... Other than YouTube, right, because that's kind of where you got your start with this, how are you monetizing this hobby and this passion of yours? Yeah, so um, the the YouTube thing, and uh, just to go on a little side note about that, I've heard you talk about, you know, with podcasting, with any kind of content creation, it's important to let your audience know, I will be posting at this interval, and you can count on this, content being there you know i think that that's one of the most important things and i feel like a lot of youtubers or podcasters whoever you know give up on it because they don't see you know immediate success and i think the last time i talked to you i I had less than ten thousand subscribers and i'm at like 116 now or something like that you know and it's just been slow going but it's very much like post consistently so while i'm hiking i post you know stuff from the trail uh once a week but even when i'm off the trail you know i'm doing like instructional informational stuff because people you know want information like how can i do this how can i get out there and so um but i do think that that consistency is really important but in addition to to youtube um i wrote an ebook on like how to prepare to hike the appalachian trail and so it's so easy nowadays to to write to put some information into an ebook and self-publish on amazon i mean it's it's like if you have good good information it's kind of like why aren't you doing that <laughs> you know and you have some kind of platform that you created so i did that and i, I this summer i um at, well this fall after i get done hiking i'd like to actually write some books about like the story you know not like a guide but actually um the the adventure of each through hike and then um i also like i said you know model some of what you're doing so i do the amazon affiliate thing because with what i'm doing you know, I talk about gear, and of course, I'm not going to talk about a piece of gear that I've never used or that I wouldn't vouch for personally. You know, I think credibility has a lot to do with it. And so, you know, the things, the item of the day, the things that you suggest, for example, are things that you know are good things. You know, and um, so, but I, I kind of modeled what you did. You know, you've got T-Spaz, and I did Dixie AZ. Okay. Because <laughs> it was so easy to put at the end of my videos. You know, if you want to support this channel an easy way to do that is blah 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 you know yeah and and people are like oh man i don't have to pay anything extra and i can support what you're doing is that easy like okay you know and as soon as i started doing that um i definitely saw an increase in the the amazon affiliate stuff and because before i was just kind of blogging and you know i would post my gear lists and things that i use and stuff like that but um you know people do if they believe in what you're doing they want to support it and and so i think it's important to give them an easy option to do that and then of course i have patreon um and uh that's a pretty good platform for uh content 
producers, you know, people who, who produce content. So, um, and I've got like the best people on Patreon and I do certain things for them, like, um, live Q and A's, uh, in like every other town I stop in, you know, like later this evening I'm doing a live Q and A so they can tune in and ask me any question they want to about, you know, what's going on and they get more up to date information because my videos, um, are a little bit delayed, like they're a couple, uh, weeks behind. So, um, and that's, you know, and then I know I've got some future opportunities. Like, I can't do workshops like you do, but I can do weekend guiding trips. You know, I could take sure. somebody that's afraid to go out on their first backpacking trip out for a weekend trip. And and so, you know, it's all about looking at what works for other people and then going, okay, now how can I apply this to what I'm doing and what I love? And, um, and so that's basically what I've done. Well, I look at what you're doing in this constant concept of rebooting in nature. That's that's If you do that right, that's a national bestseller. Because uh, not everybody that needs a uh, uh, you know a three thousand mile walk to reboot. I, I really think there's right. a lot to be said for a thirty mile walk to reboot. Um, Absolutely, a walk around the block. I mean, you know what I mean? Just get out, put the phone down, like just be alone with your mind. Because we we are so distracted by you know, and I'm guilty of it too. Social media, TV, the radio, ebooks, you know, or audio books, whatever. It's like we just don't listen to to our minds and i think we don't allow ourselves to work through things that we should you know and and people who even garden you know i know when you get outside and you're working on stuff you're thinking not just about what you're you got your hands on but your mind is thinking about other stuff too you know and um and i think that we don't allow ourselves enough of that i think everything in nature is like that it allows the mind to actually do what the mind's supposed to do because you Your mind can't function properly in a cubicle. It, it, it just can't. No. It can do the stuff That's you're paid. That's not what you're built to do. No. It can do the <laughs> stuff you're paid to do well in a cubicle. That's why they have them. Uh, but a rat yep. does a real good job in a maze, too. That's why they put the rat in a maze, right? <laughs> and it's funny. <laughs> it's I, right. But when you – you know, I used to do uh, computer cabling and network design and stuff like that. And when you, you look at a set of prints for, like, an office complex, boy, it looks like a rat maze. I mean – And then there's yeah. everybody, and instead of like one piece of cheese, everybody has their own piece of cheese, and it's it's square instead of triangular, and it has a screen on it, and you go to your piece of cheese, and you do your stuff, and you get cheese money at the end of the day, and it's like that's <laughs> that's corporate America, and and like, like oh my gosh, you know, like I I get it out of fishing and all, but also like even with the hiking stuff, which is kind of your thing, like people ask me like so so you hike from Pennsylvania to New Hampshire, I'm like yeah, and they're like. So why not keep going? Well, I had a timeline to get to Texas, but the reality is I got to like Conway and North Conway, and it was really cool, and I went into town, and then I didn't want to kill people anymore, and I said, you yeah. know what? I'm done. I, I yeah. Mount Washington's right there. I'm going to do a summit. I'm going to call my dad, and I'm going to go home, and now I can go back to yeah. life, right? Because I had a, a military reboot, and uh, it wasn't a combat thing or anything. I just literally wanted to – I you know, I can say it now – No one will come for me now. If I would have said at the time, they probably had people at my house. But at the time, I was like, I, I, I really want to kill people. I don't, but I do because I, I can't right. deal with this crap. And, you know, a few months separated from everything. And, and people said, well, didn't you get away enough while you were overseas in the military? No. I was in another no. contrived no. environment. And now I need It's to deal weird. with y'all's shit. So I need to actually get away so I can. And I think that we would, like, I think if we had a thing like where kids in school were taught to, like, take a walk at least once a week or something, we could lower our crime rate, 
right? We can lower our suicide rate. I right? agree. Yeah. I, 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 it can't be that simple. Well, maybe it can because now you're doing a human activity instead of a non-human activity. So you might, exactly. You, you might be a little more human exactly. now, right? Cause, yeah, and I've seen the benefits like of a through hike on people who just got out of the military. So my friend Perk, for example, he was a linguist in the Navy, and um, he he I met him on the AT. We started the PCT together, but we we kind of like hike solo together. You know, we do our own thing and get separated and whatever. But yeah. you know, um, and then he's on this trail now, and I have seen the difference in him. You know, and just in talking to him, and I mean, there are people who, out there who are hiking to get over a divorce, who are um, some just feeding their adventurous spirit, but they find like that therapy in it. And I mean, that might sound cliche, but it really is. Like, no, it, it is. It and like you said, is. you go from like wanting to kill people, you know, to like, wow, this is a beautiful. Everybody's. Yeah. I love everybody now, and it almost you almost can feel <laughs> yeah. that way. Now you come back to the world, and you go like, yeah, now I remember why I didn't like you, but but yeah. you do feel better about it, you know. And I can understand yeah. your friend needing to get away. He had to deal with bullshit in two languages. Right, so I mean, yeah, that's, right. I mean, that's just <laughs> yeah. holy crap. Um, yeah, it, it does do a lot of good for you. What what benefits have you seen mentally and physically from hiking in your own life? Well, so certainly, you know, physically. Although I'll say that through hiking doesn't necessarily cure cellulite. So, <laughs> but uh, but but there, you know, there are folks that I've seen. Um, a lot out there that are like, oh, you know, I might not be in the best physical shape. I don't know if I should do it. And then they start anyway. There was a girl on the AT that was like 250 pounds when she started, and she was wanting to be 150 when she finished. And when I met her, she was already down 50 pounds in Pennsylvania. And so, um, but personally in myself, um, you know, I know that the physical aspect is definitely good. And, And my biological father passed away of a heart attack when he was 32, and uh, so I just turned 32, you know, and I'm like, oh, like I gotta, I gotta keep up, you know, this, um, this being in in good physical shape. Um, and then mentally, I mean, I can tell from trail to trail to trail that, you know, my mind was a much more noisy place on the AT, and uh, I had a lot of things, you know, not anything extreme, but things to work through in my mind, you know, whether it's past relationships or things that happen at jobs or whatever. And then when I started the PCT, my mind was much more like, I don't know, peaceful, you know, and uh, I could think about silly things or like how to fix the world or, you know, contemplate other stuff. And then, um, and then the same thing with this trail. So, you know, I really can say that, um, that it just opens your mind so much and it changes your changes perspective so much. You know, I, I've, much more appreciate on a rainy day when I'm sitting in my house in Alabama that I'm sitting in a house, you know, I much more appreciate (laughs) that when I turn on the faucet, water comes out that I don't have to filter, you know, that's like (laughs) clean. And I, and if I drink it, I won't get diarrhea, you know? And like, uh, I mean, just the, the things like that. And, and, you know, you talk about like not getting upset about things outside of your circle of influence, right? Well, you learn that on the trail too, because I can scream at the wind because I'm mad that, you know, I can't even think for how windy it is and I'm up on a ridge, but it's not going to change anything, no. you know, and I'm going to waste my time and energy being mad at the stupid wind, you know, so it's, I don't know. Um, and then you kind of restore your faith in humanity as cliche as that sounds because of the 
interactions you have with people. You know, if there's somebody that needs something, I don't say, oh, wait a second, who do you vote for before I give you this thing? You know, I don't, you don't have any of that. You just, oh, get along out there. And you can have a 72-year-old woman or, you know, a 18-year-old young man, and everybody's doing the same thing. And there's no easy ticket. It's the same mountain. It's the same climb. And it's just, There's no cheat codes. There's no cheat codes. It's not like, gee, this section has a lot of black flies. I'll just uh, eat my potion (laughs) and they'll leave me alone. Because you can spray all the off you want on yourself. Those things are like, I think we talked about this before. Like, only people that did long-distance hiking would know the meaning of a fly dump. Where you you meet some sucker and he's all clean and smells good. And you talk to him, going the other way, you talk to him just long enough. To discard you know, the, the yellow flies, deer flies, and black flies that are terrorizing you on him. And, like, when you leave, you leave, like, in a really rapid movement. <laughs> and, like, you look back and you just see him swatting at his head. And you're just like, I'm oh, good for, like, a mile now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like, where are you from? Oh, I'm just hiking in from town. Uh, you could deal with these guys then. Bye. Uh, you do learn yeah. a lot like that. And, you know, like... Some of the things I learned, like, so I just come out of the military, and I had been, like, all these, like, you know, you do, like, a 15-mile force road march. And so you get out there, and you got, you're, you're like, way overgeared, and you're just like, ah, and people are looking at you that have been on, you know, like, I started in Pennsylvania, so there's people I'm walking past. Yeah. And they can tell, like, oh, he's not just going to the next trailhead. He, he thinks he's going, right? And they're looking at you like you're nuts, and you're like, what's wrong with all these people? They're so slow. And then all of a sudden, you, you know, you start to realize, like, so... This isn't a 15-mile forced march where I'm going to be done for three weeks. I'm going to have to do this again and again and again. Yep. And there's no medics, right? There's there's no support right. team. Like So you, it, it causes you to learn to slow down, I guess, no matter what yes. reason for your kind of blowing and going that you have. And I think the other thing you're talking about, like, letting go of things you can't control. Like, I think a lot of people actually, as retarded as this is, right, They actually think if they stop worrying about global politics or something, like something will happen because you didn't pay attention. Right. Like so, so you go away for three months or whatever, and you you don't have the luxury of paying attention to it. There's no Fox News or CNN whatever out on the trail. And then when you come back, like it's all the same, and you're like, then you're like, this is stupid. Like, why does anybody yeah. care about this? You know, and, and I, I know there are things we have to pay attention to, but most of them we don't. It's, and if there's something that you need to know, you'll hear about it. You'll, yeah. I promise you, you will hear about it. And, like, uh, it's so crazy even to pop into town. And, you know, I haven't been, like you said, listening to the news for the last week or whatever. And I'll pop into a town, and I'll hear what the issue is and all of the outrage. You know, what's the outrage this week? And then I disappear for a week, and I pop out again, and it's something else. And I'm like, y'all not see? And then after you don't watch the TV for six months at a time, and then you put it on, it looks like a joke. It looks like... Like, is this serious? Like, if this is our news? You know, I don't know. It's just, it's really crazy when you step away from it to see how conditioned you are to those things. And, yeah, like you said, if you don't make a Facebook post to try to convert somebody from the left to the right or the right to the left, then, then the world may end or something. You know, all these people thinking that they're – Trump will win or Facebook Obama will, will win. Or, the world. Yeah, it's yeah. like – Yeah, it, it's not going to change, man. It's it's going to be the same. I think it was Harry Beckwith was one of his books I was reading one time many years ago. It made a big impression on me. And it was something about, you know, letting go of the news and all. And, and what he said is, trust me, if a princess dies, and he was talking about Princess Diana, it was still relatively current when he wrote this book. 
Um, so it, it, it's that big of news. Somebody will tell you, and it turned out he and his wife were on a cruise in the middle of the ocean. And next thing you know, the whole boat is going nuts that Princess Diana is dead. So, like, the, the concept that you won't know about, because, you know, I feel bad for the lady. She was a decent person, it seems at all. But in the end, the, the temperature in my pool did not change a, a, a percent of a tenth of a millionth of a degree because Princess Diana wasn't in the world anymore. So if something that was really exactly. important happened, like World War III, somebody would tell me. I would know. Even, exactly. You know, I don't need you to be glued know. to this stuff nonstop. And... I don't think it's good for us, and it is a it's a giant distraction. It is to keep you in that rat maze. And I mean, check it out. If you start doing pattern recognition, you look at the streets of the city, you look at the cubicles in an office. It's all a maze, it, and it's it's all find that piece of cheese. You know, it really is. And it, that blows my mind. I've never thought of that comparison. That is so great. Like I, mean, I will always think of that now when I go in an office. Don't look for like an <laughs> office office cubicle uh, overhead. And it's, yeah. and it's, you know, you got little laneways <laughs> that go down, and then you got little reward centers like the break room and the copier and the water cooler, right? And all the rats run around, and they all talk to each other, and they all go back to their little spot. <laughs> you know, I mean, you got everything in there except breeding, and in some places I think we even have that. But uh, it, it's, it's the giant rat maze. It is. So you it mentioned is. kind of the concept of solo hiking but buddy hiking, and, and, and I think you, like, can start out – by yourself, you're going to meet people along the way. You're going to spend some time with people. You're going to separate from people. But I, I found, in my instance, again, this is 30 years ago. I, oh, good God. Not 30, but 25 years ago. <laughs> wow. Uh, so most people seem to really actually be hiking alone. I, I ran into very few groups that had started and stayed together through the whole thing. Um, do, you, do, do you solo hike? Is that common for females on the trail today and the trails today, what have you? Yeah, so, um, you know, it, it's, it's funny because I'll run into people or I'll talk to people in towns, and they're like, wait a second, you're doing this trail alone? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, but you're a girl. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, <laughs> Hi, I'm aware. Let I'm me like, check. I, yeah, I still I am. know what I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, so I took a shower. I'm pretty sure that's what I saw. But, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, they they. They just think that, I don't know, you know, that. I, but yes, um, there are more and more female solo hikers on the trail. It's really not um, that uncommon. I mean, certainly there are more guys out here, but I think that that's just because in general, dudes get more into backpacking than girls, you know, I mean, that's just the way it is. And um, so, yeah, there are, uh, um, there are some girls though. And I mean, solo hiking in general, you know, people think that it's just, insane and like how could you go out there by yourself but on these long distance shows you do meet people the cdt has been a lot more remote so for the past two weeks i haven't camped with anybody the whole time i've only passed people you know during the day um either other backpackers or day hikers or whatever but um so this one is a lot more remote and in a lot less people than the at or the pct but um but yeah i, I mean if there are women out there who are thinking like oh should i do this like yes yes absolutely you should do it and and i always encourage people you know if you're interested in getting into backpacking just start off with something so small you know like go and and get in your car and drive to a trailhead and you can have backup stuff in your car food supplies whatever you want but take what you think you'll need and put it in a pack put it on your back and hike only a mile into the woods 
and set up camp and stay for the night. And that way you've got the security blanket of knowing, like, I can always turn around and go back to my car and I only have to, you know, go a mile. But start with something like that. And, you know, you can you can build up. But you're going to meet people out on the trail that are just amazing. And I think one of the scariest things, I've had two kind of scary encounters with uh, with um, animals. And one was on the AT. I had a bear bluff charge me. But that one, that one was kind of my fault. But on this trail, um, and actually one of my most recent videos, if you go to the channel, um, it's called Mountain Lion. It's the episode called Mountain Lion. But I saw a mountain lion, and I was, like, running up this hill, and then I went to go downhill, and uh, and I heard something jump up. And we've been going through a lot of cattle country. This is back in New Mexico. So I thought it was, like, a calf jumping up, or then I thought, was it a big dog? And as my eyes were adjusting to being in the shade from in the sun, I see it's a mountain lion. And it is very close. And it, we stood there and stared at each other for like a minute and a half. And I've got all that in the video. But it's so funny because I hollered like a man, like an old papa. I was like, oh, God, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then I didn't know what to do. It still just staring me down. So I, I have this little harmonica that I can play like Mary Had a Little Lamb. And uh, so I pulled it out and I blew on the harmonica. And then I thought, oh, did that just sound like a bird call or like some dying animal? You know, maybe that was a bad idea. And, um, but we just had kind of scared off and it finally ran off. But, you know, some of the people commenting on the video there were like, that's why you shouldn't be alone or that's why you shouldn't, you know. I'm like, I didn't die. Because, didn't like, die. well, to see, no, if, if I was there to protect you as a weak woman, when the cougar came, yeah. I would have Sistema punched it in the head and it would have said, hey, <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't know you were a dude, and it would have left. <laughs> I mean, it's just, exactly. I mean, really, I mean, come on. I know, and I've got my neck knife. I got my MT knives, neck knife, you know, <laughs> hanging there, ready to go. So I don't, I don't know that I could have won the fight, but it would have remembered me, you know. And yeah. uh, so anyway, um, yeah, it's just people, yeah, think that oh, if you had a man there to protect you, it would have been different. Like, no, because there were two men up in, I think it was Washington, not that long ago, two friends, and a mountain lion attacked them and killed one of them. So you have two men. So what's the difference, you know? I yeah. Just, Well, and if, if they paid attention, like, all the people that have been, like, chomped or partially chomped by cougars in the last, like, 25 years have been on bicycles. Because the bicycles, yeah, the, it, 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 you know why? I mean, it doesn't, like, we're not really sure. Have you seen how cats act? Right? So you got this exactly. thing with these spinny wheels, and it's going by really fast, and the, the cougar's sitting up on a thing. Oh, toy. You know, I mean, that's, so yeah. unless you're bicycling, You're probably not. I know when you're standing there looking at one, looking at you, it, it might not seem the same. And you could always have a potential <laughs> rabid one or something like that. But that brings up: Do you do you carry on on, on your hikes or or no? I I don't. In normal life, I do. But and I mean, my thing is, and I actually have a video on this too because you know people do ask that a lot, and um, people on the West Coast couldn't imagine that somebody would carry on a hike you know and yeah. the people on the east coast can't imagine that somebody wouldn't you know and so it's really kind of funny but um it's just like looking at the different laws the reciprocity and then also um so like the legality of it but even if you said all that aside i would have to open carry and then i would have to be you know a good enough shot to be able to draw aim fire at a target that's coming at me you know what i mean and so i don't know and then if you're open carrying and different areas and you do run into the law somewhere then you got to deal with that you know so it's just and i could keep it in my pack at night to have in my tent but then you know and i could conceal carry but where on a where on me would i do that 
to be able, like, again, like I said, to pull it out. That's so I don't know. I, I just, I haven't fooled with it, really. I just haven't felt like it, it's worth it. Now, when I'm under a mountain lion attacking me, I might have a different opinion. But. Yeah, you're like, well, it's eating my left arm. I could be shooting it in the chest, yeah. right? I mean, my left right. arm would be chewed up, but I would still be alive. So, you know, back, right. I'm, because I'm so damn old, uh, back when I did this, it, people said, well, did you carry? And it will no. And it was because it yeah. was a legal hellhole. To try oh, to carry, to try at that time, the the laws in traveling through multiple states, and then there's you know okay, well you are in in the woods, you can make the case that you're bushcrafting or whatever, and in this state that's okay. But now I possess the weapon; it's in my possession. I don't have a car; I can't lock it in a box in the trunk. And now I'm going to go to town to get a pancake. And in this right. particular state, oh, that's a felony. So like. It wasn't right. even an option, and I'm sure there's still some places where, you know, the lunacy of the left coast and all, there's where that's like, you know, you, you, all of a sudden you go from being a law-abiding citizen to a felon because you crossed, yeah, exactly. you, you crossed an imaginary line on a map. Exactly, and that's the thing. I, I did all of the research when I did that video about carrying a gun on the AT, and I don't think that it was possible because unless you live – Potentially, if you live in Massachusetts and are like a citizen there, but I still don't think that you could get like an out of state. Um, I know you can't get an out of state carry with Massachusetts. I'm pretty sure. Maybe even New Jersey. You know, I can't remember. It's been a long time ago. But they certainly don't like reciprocate with Alabama, for example. No. You know, and so no, they're for not me, there was no legal way to do it. Yeah. And um, and then even on the West Coast, California, Oregon, and Washington, I think I figured out when I did the video on that, like if you lived in California, you got out of state one for Oregon and I don't know, it was like so convoluted and it just isn't worth it. You know, I'm not a citizen in any of those states that so didn't matter. Anyway. And, and I'm just thinking if somebody um, does stick their head in your tent at night to do you harm and you hit them in the face with bear spray, it's probably going to send them back the other direction. Yeah, right? exactly. Well, I do practice drawing my little knife while I'm hiking. You know, right. I do practice that. <laughs> so, I mean, i got to do something with my time, you know, yeah. so I'm just like, you know, and like... Walking through the trail, you know, sheathing and unsheathing the Patrick knife, right, or, or what have yep, you. Yep, yep. <laughs> you know, on, the, on like the, the pepper spray and all, I've, I've had people say, well, I knew this guy, and he used to put it on his food. I'm like, I put Tabasco on my food. I put Cholula on my food. Have you ever got that crap in your eyes? I make, you know, yeah. bacon-wrapped jalapenos. It's totally different experience when it goes in your eyes. It's 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 not the same. It works. <laughs> yeah. Well, on that note, I have to say because I, I listen to obviously TSP while I'm hiking. You know, I listen uh, a lot, and you kill me sometimes when you go into these descriptions of cooking food, and I'm off like three days into the <laughs> seven day stretch, and you're talking about like Jamaican jerk uh, shrimp wrapped in bacon, yeah. and I'm just like, golly. He's killing me here. I can't forget when uh, Chef Keith Snow comes out like the expert counts. I can't even. I just turn it. Skipping. I'm like, I'm not putting myself through this. Yep. You're can't sitting there like going, oh, I got Uncle Ben's and dehydrated chicken chunks. Yeah. And this jerk exactly. is talking Spam. about. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Spam's not bad. Spam's it's good not, stuff. But when you when you have anything over and over, you, oh, yeah. you get sick of it. But I'll tell you, Spam dehydrated, I actually like... It's almost like spam jerky or something. It's better than oh, regular spam. Spam tong. Yeah. I'm going to make spam yeah. tong. Spam tong. You should. You should do that. I idea. don't think I that's going to work. Try it, right? Oh, it's not going to work. But dehydrated, that's actually interesting. Spam jerky. 
Sperky. Yeah. Sperky. Yeah. All right, the Sperky meal. All right. So, um, when did you complete the Appalachian and the Pacific trails? Like, what were your kind of your your timelines? I start and end with those two. So I started the AT in it was the very end of March, um, like March 29th in uh, 2015, and I finished in October. And then on the PCT, I did it last year, and uh, that was oh my gosh, that was a crazy year. You know, people might think like, how in the world does backpacking relate to survivalism? Well, I'm going to tell you what: when you learn to make decisions on the fly, and you go into like you have no experience with walking in the snow and then suddenly you're in the Sierra Nevada in a 200% snow year, you learn real quick what I have to, you know, how survivalism can relate to that. But, um, so yeah, last year I did the PCT and that was April to October. And then this one should be, um, I started April 5th and hopefully I'll finish around September 20th because the Grizzlies start getting kind of hungry in October and I really don't want to be there <laughs> when they're like, hmm, it looks like we could run this girl down, you know, <laughs> might not get much meat off of her, but whatever. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'd like to finish. And then the snow, you know, there's a chance of snow coming in Montana and, and kind of snowing you out. And I'll tell you, when you work hard on a goal for months and months and then you know there's a chance of snow coming and, and knocking you out of completing your goal, it's, Yeah, it's a stressful thing. So. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, you start having flashbacks to that old movie Alive and stuff when you start thinking about some of those places. If it snows, it's like I'm not doing that. You know, I'm like, yeah, know, and I don't have a buddy with me to eat. I'm I'm, I'm solo hiking, so like I'm yeah. screwed, right? You know, I'm gonna be living on snowflakes, yeah. and they don't have any calories, and it's not any fun. And so, I mean, that that is the truth too. There's weather uh, concerns to deal with. Uh, that are huge, yeah, and I guess, absolutely. and then it's, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of a damned if you do and damned if you don't thing. Like, you can start at the northern side, and then you're hiking into the heat, or you start on the southern side, and then you're hiking into the cold, and it's all absolutely. in timing, and it's, it's, it, there's no easy answer, which is actually what makes it, you know, challenging, which may, is what makes it worth right. doing. Right. You know, it makes it exciting, and you know, this being my third third hike. Um, the other day I was, I was walking and I looked and the trail went like one and a half miles west and then crossed the little bridge over a river that wasn't even raging and then one and a half miles east. And I'm like, forget this crap. Like I'm bushwhacking through and I'm going to ford that river. And I tell you, you know, like you get kind of not bored. Well, yeah, maybe bored is the word. Uh, just walking, you know, every day. And so the most fun that I've had in the last week was when I was like, Forget this, I'm bushwhacking and fording, you know, but then I'll complain about the trail having blowdowns or not being maintained or something, you know. Yeah. But, so I was so excited, and I'm like, it's the adventure in it, you know, it's the challenge. And, and so it's funny how, um, and I'll do, sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a 24-hour challenge and see how many miles I can hike in in, a, in 24 hours. So I don't know, it's, it's perspective. It's all how you flip things around to, you know, make make things fun, I guess, but then challenging. So, so you need to be challenged. So as you uh, complete this uh, this uh, this this last hike here on the CDT and, and finish up your Triple Crown, how can people kind of follow your journey? Um, so the main way that um, that I'm sure people would, if if you like videos more than reading, then uh, then the YouTube <laughs> channel for sure. So it's homemade wanderlust, and that's W A N D E R L U S T. And even if you just type in Dixie, because that's my trail name, so you go by almost like handles out here. You know, it's, uh, you go by like a nickname. 
So mine is um, Dixie, and so even if they were to type in like Dixie BDT, you know, they they'd find it. So and then I also, you know, have my AT videos, my PCG hike videos, and then yeah, once a week um, until I finish, all these uh, CDT videos will be coming out. So if they want to see the adventure firsthand or see that encounter with the mountain line, it was a minute and a half. Like I timed it because it's video, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so they can check it out there. And then also I do have a blog. It's much more behind, but um, I'm slowly, slowly working on it, and it's at homemadewanderlust.com. Well, and I will say that you've gotten enough uh, uh, branding around your name that if somebody just went to Google and typed in Jessica Mills, they'll find you first. So, oh, really? Yeah, That's you awesome. are. You are I, now. I don't even know if I've Googled. You are now the Jessica Mills, and I'm sure there's more than one. Oh, wow. You know, if wow. there's... Oh, yeah, there are. There's more than one in Opelika, Alabama, so I know there's more than one in the world, but yeah, it looks really cool. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, um, Patrick and I, and it's, and I want to encourage folks, if you have a chance to go to one of Jack's workshops, like, they are incredible, like, seriously, and the people you meet, so Patrick and I, I don't know if you know, but we kind of collab together. Um, in the fall, and we did like a homemade wanderlust version of his Genesis knife, and um, and so people were were getting some of those. So it's pretty neat the relationships that you can build with people. So yeah, he was really happy about that. He he was explaining to me how many knives you sold for him, and, and kind of you know hitting it like I should sell more knives. I'm like I've been selling knives for you for eight years. Right, I sold like oh, you're trying to guilt you. Yeah, really. you're Come trying to guilt me yeah. to sell more knives for him. I'm like. I, I think I've sold, like, yeah. I, I sold like 80% of my listeners two knives apiece. Like, I, I you know, I mean. I, I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He, he's so funny. He told me, he's like, I think you should sell 100. And I was like, I don't know that I'll do it. He's like, you'll do it. I'm like, let's start with 20. And then sure enough, it ended up being 100. But, you know, uh, but yeah, he told me, he's like, I think you're bringing in, he did say, you're bringing in more people uh, buying knives than Jack. And I was like, well, he's been doing it forever. Like, you know what I mean? I've, I've just mentioned it. I've just started I'm um, talking about because I do man. love that. I keep knife. telling him his yeah. problem is he needs another knife, right? He's got like yeah. he's got like one main knife. Like and I'm like if you know if you had yeah. another knife, all those people that bought the first knife could buy, buy the second one. knife, which is a real testament for content creation over physical products, right? Because like you can just make another video. I can just make another podcast. It's a, it's it's, it's right. make another knife. So. Anyway, yeah, what, would you, what, would you, what would you tell somebody like contemplating doing something like this in their life? Like, and they just need, you know, kind of that push off the fence or maybe the push off the couch to get out and do it. People that think, like you mentioned earlier, people that think they're not in enough shape to do it or whatever. Uh, I would say, I mean, just to be really blunt, like quit lying to yourself, you know, quit making excuses. And, and I, I met a man the other day who's 80 years old and he's doing an 80 mile backpacking trip to celebrate his, you know, 80th year of being alive. And, you know, he goes, well, I said, well, congratulations. And he's like, well, don't congratulate me yet. You know, I've only made it 200 yards. And I'm like, but the point is you're getting out there and you're doing it, you know? And so I, I think that people think that they have to be an expert at something to, to, to get out there and start it. And it's like, no, not at all. You start with walking around the block, you know, take a, take a walk in your neighborhood or on your property or whatever, and then, like I said, camp in the backyard at night. You know, try that and go. I'm not going to go in the house for anything unless it's, like, an emergency, you know, and see see what I would have needed. And then do, like I said, park at a trailhead, walk in a mile and camp, you know. Just just that being a little bit 
more distant from your lifeline of your vehicle, you know, will will challenge you a little bit more, but you also have that, you know, comfort zone thing. And then next thing you know, you'll be going eight miles and camping and then coming back, you know. So it's just, just, and it's real easy. You just have to cover your basic needs, food, water, shelter, you know, and have a light, <laughs> you know, make sure you're going to be warm enough. It's, it's, it's really, you know, before I got into it, I, I thought, well, oh, you, you have to have a lot of experience. Well, this is my third backpacking trip ever, but, and, I'll, and I'll hopefully be a triple crowner after it. So when people say that you've got to be an expert at something to get out there and start doing it, they're wrong. So Well, every expert um, didn't do anything at some point, right? Every expert took a first exactly. step, metaphorically or literally. And when people say, well, you need a lot of experience, well, you, I, I got good news. By the time you, you were about two years old, you, you grabbed onto some crap and pulled yourself up and started walking. So with hiking, there's some other stuff to it. But in the end, the main thing is being able to walk. So if you're like yep. 20 years old, you got like 18 and a half years of experience walking. So you can <laughs> just walk somewhere else. And, and then maybe when yep. you change your, your, your scenery, you'll change your perspective, wouldn't you say? Exactly. Yes. And I, there was a, the oldest lady to have through hiked the Appalachian Trail. I ran into her one day. And she, I asked her, I'm like, what inspired you to do that? You know, I'm sure your family thought you were crazy. And she said, well, I was really good at walking and I was really good at getting old. So I figured I could just combine them. And I'm like, there you go. You know, it's just as simple as that. So, and I think it's with anything in life, not even just, not even just backpacking. It's like whatever you want to do. And, you know, I'm an example of somebody who was m miserable in what I was doing and said, I'm not doing it anymore. You know, life's too short. Why am I going to continue this misery hoping it'll just you know get better i have to make it better like things don't come to you on a silver platter you have to find opportunities and, and go after them and um so just do it if there's something you've been thinking about doing do it don't don't think about it anymore you know take that first step even if it's something little but just move towards it stop being stagnant well folks there you have it the website is homemadewanderlust.com Uh, you can find her YouTube channel there and all types of other ways to stay in touch with Jessica. I'll have links to all that good stuff in the show notes. And, uh, Jessica, thanks for joining us today once again at the Survival yeah. Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to have come back. So that was just a great interview with one of my favorite people out there. Uh, I, I really admire that Jessica got to a point in her life where she said, I'm not happy. So I'm going to do something different, even though everybody that would mean well would tell me that's such a crazy idea. And I'm sure a lot of the people that would have said, no, don't do that. You have such a good Now they're like, wow, this is really great that you did this. And I, kind of wrapping up here, that's kind of what I want to point out. That's a lot of times in our lives where we reach points where we have to make the decision to either stay or jump. When we go to make that jump, that jump's scary, but it's It's in general less scary for us and more scary for the people watching us do it. It's, it's kind of like if you're watching TV and you see a magician that's about to fall onto a bunch of spikes. In your heart, you know, and in your mind, you know, there's a trick here. This guy's not going to impale himself on television. It's a trick, but yet you're like, oh, 
and you know he falls or I've seen Penn Gillette do the thing with like there's like a, a big spike under a styrofoam cup and there's a spike under one of three cups he smashes two cups really hard and everybody's like oh okay he did it and then he smashes the last one there's no spike there and but when he does that it, like your heart sinks this is a lot of times how our friends and family feel about us when we want to make a jump we want to make a radical change in our lives and because it is a little scary for us we will let perception and confirmation bias talk us out of it. A lot of times when we tell people, I'm thinking about doing this, I'm thinking about doing that, what we're really saying is talk me out of this because I'm not quite sure I'm ready to do this yet. And it, 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 I've always explained it this way in my sales training to get people in the right mindset with things. If you went out and told all the members of your family, next week I'm signing the paperwork and I'm opening up a restaurant, You'd hear a million reasons why you shouldn't open a restaurant, and, and many of them would be true, but they wouldn't know what you know. They wouldn't know, well, maybe you actually bought interest in a restaurant that's already profitable, and you already have a staff, and you're just going to be an owner. They might not know that you've done some sort of demographic research. you got some kind of sweet deal. you got some kind of partnership going on with somebody. They wouldn't know any of that. They just instinctively try to talk you out of opening the restaurant. But if three weeks after you opened the restaurant, it wasn't closed down by the health department or anything like that, and people were actually going to it, whether it was really profitable or not yet, most new businesses take a while to become profitable, if ever. But then you phone everybody up and say, hey, I have a restaurant. Would you come down and have a meal? They'd all come down and tell you how great your restaurant is. So when you get to that point where you feel that you need to take that leap, in the end, when you really decide it's the right thing, you've made the right changes in your life to make it doable, to insulate yourself and protect yourself and do the best you can and then finally say the hell with I'm taking the jump. Be careful of the voices you listen to, whether they're your own or somebody else's that tells you not to do it. Because here we have a young lady who now, three years into this jump, is about to complete a really amazing thing, the triple crown of hiking in North America, and is planning international hikes, signing deals with equipment manufacturers as sponsors, building an income. I guarantee you there is a ton of people that would have meant well that would have told her not so long ago why you shouldn't quit that good job with benefits and go do it. And I'm not going to say it's always going to work out when you take that jump. Here's the thing about taking that jump. Either you do or you don't, and you'll never know unless you took it. And a lot of people look back at their lives when they're old and say, I wish, I wish, I wish. And the one thing you can't get back is time. So if you're really miserable find a way to not be so miserable and maybe maybe just taking a walk can change your perspective with that before we wrap up today I want to remind you you can help support this show by joining the member support brigade if you do that you help support us for $50 a, uh, a year which is about 18.3 cents an episode so when when you listen to this show you think Jack this show's worth 20 cents you know, if you feel that way, then consider becoming a member. It'll help make sure that we're always here to provide this content, entertainment, and education for you. And then you get your money back with all the discounts that are there. You also get a bunch of free ebooks. You know that when you join the MSB, you get over $200 worth of ebooks for free the day you sign up? I mean, that's true. And you get a bunch of other really cool stuff. But the big thing is you get those discounts and you support the programming you enjoy. Next up, the other way to support us is by doing your online shopping at tspaz.com. Just go to tspaz.com, tspaz.com. You'll see all the items that I've reviewed on Amazon. 
And remember, if I've reviewed it, I own it. I've spent my money on it. I've probably ordered it more than once unless it's like a one. Like if I ordered a frying pan, I don't need ten of them, right? But if I order something that runs out, when, if it was good enough to recommend you, I probably order it again. And that is definitely the case with today's item of the day. It's an item I first featured early spring, actually almost winter still. Um, it, it's, it's a seasoning from a company called Pinch Spice Market. And I've come to really like these guys. This is a seasoning called Ross Alhunut. Um, and it is a, a Moroccan-style seasoning. It's a little curry-like, but if you don't like curry, don't let it turn you off. My wife does not like curry, and she loves this stuff. So if you kind of have, like, like you like kind of the curry, like yellow curry-type curries, and you got a reluctant spouse that ain't so keen on it, give this stuff a shot, because it'll give you a little bit of what you're looking for, and it's totally different at the same time. Again, it's a Moroccan thing. It's used in a lot of cooking called tagine cooking, which is a traditional Moroccan slow cooker. Uh, let me give you, you, you know me, like I recommend Chef Keith's seasonings and stuff like that and, and, and some other stuff. But in general, like I make up seasonings when I need it. I'll make up a steak seasoning on the fly because I got whole spices. I'll grind them right away. Peppercorns are cracked right then. The oils are there. And I like to do that. In a simple coffee grinder, you can make your own seasoning mixes really, really easily. And you might wonder, so why is Jack buying this Ross Alvinut stuff? I'll tell you why. Here's the list of what's in it. Cumin, black pepper, paprika, grains of paradise, coriander, turmeric, cayenne, lemon peel, cinnamon, cardamom. Oh, did you think I was done? No. Allspice, juniper, nutmeg, galangal, ginger, mace, fenugreek. Think I'm done? No. Mustard, clove, anise, licorice, rose. Think I'm done? Nope. Still lavender, ajoin, and hibiscus. That's a lot of stuff to buy that you might not use in anything else. And because of that, I think that it makes sense to buy this. And notice the one thing that wasn't there. Salt. Do you know why that's important to me? I know some of you, you want a lot of flavor without salt because you have to limit your salt intake. Great. I love that. For me, I like salt. But you know what I don't want to do? I don't want to spend good money on an exotic spice mix that's 20% salt that I can buy for pennies a pound. It doesn't make sense to me when you look at these expensive spice mixes and then, you know, this is like four ounces for 12 bucks. And, but, I mean, it's not expensive really because a little goes a long way, but if, if out of that four ounces, like a half ounce or an ounce is salt, And you're paying 12 bucks. Now I'm like, what the hell? So I really like having the flexibility of adding my own salt, but I don't like paying like, you know, Galangal prices for salt. It doesn't make sense to me. So give this stuff a try. When I brought it around last time, it wasn't a huge amount of y'all that tried it. Everybody that tried it that I heard from really liked it, but it didn't really make the big hit that I thought it would. Usually when I bring out something that's a spice or a seasoning or whatever, it does really well. This did okay. Um, I think maybe I didn't point out how awesome this stuff is. Um, if nothing else, this would make one of the most incredible potato dishes that you've ever had. A roasted potato with this on it is fan freaking tasket. Uh, tasket, tastic. Uh, I've done quail with it. I've done venison with it. I've done lamb with it. It is made for lamb. Slow cooked lamb with this stuff. With potatoes, and uh, oh, wow, it's just so great. Give this stuff a shot. Again, it's called Ras Alhanut. 
Uh, it's not spelled that way, but that's how you say it. I even have it typed out for you so you can see how to say it, uh, spell it. Uh, you can find that by going to tspaz.com, pulling up our most recent stuff, or pulling up our seasoning and spicings category, or just go to the survivalpodcast.com, start scrolling down, and you'll find it quick enough if you've listened to this episode quite recently. All right, with that, uh, let's go ahead and wrap up today. I actually punted on the song John Adam had picked for me today. Like the message of it, just wasn't good. I just didn't like the vocals, too twangy, too country, and I like country. I just, I'll just leave it at that and won't even tell you what it was. Um, it would have been a good song for today, though, by that whole thing with Jessica, but this song I think is even better. This song is from a 1980s movie that I just think was a terrible movie, but I loved it when I was a kid and I watched it. Uh, and it was called Over the Top. And it, it starts Sylvester Stallone as a truck-driving, kind of washed-up arm wrestler who's trying to get his kid back from his evil, rich father-in-law and buy a new truck and had a big, giant guy that intimidated him, and he had to fight. It was like a, it was like the Rocky of arm wrestling, which I'm sure is what they had in mind when they cast Stallone in it. And it was really a kind of cheesy movie. It, 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 South Park's even done parodies of it with not with arm wrestling though. They did the one If you ever watch South Park and there's an episode where the kids are playing baseball and they don't really want to play anymore, but they keep advancing in the tournament and they end up trying to throw a game but the other team doesn't want to win either, so like the pitcher like throws the ball and hits the bat even though they don't swing it. And he's like, Kyle's like, see, while we were learning to suck, they were getting great at sucking. So they're progressing through this baseball. They want to quit. The parents are pushing them through it. But Randy, the dad, keeps getting in fights. And this one dude, like, beats his ass. And he's like, he's afraid of him. He keeps telling the kid, like, I can't beat him, man. I can't. And he's like, you know, dad, I don't want you to fight him. He, like, in, in the end, when they go to the state championships, Randy's like, I'm going to fight in the state championships. That that is totally a parody of Over the Top. It completely is. So it's it's that bad a movie. But you know what? When I was like 12 years old, I loved it. And I sit there and I look back at these movies from the 80s like that, and I go, oh, those are terrible movies. How did we ever like that? Because we were 10, 11, 12 years old. We were 7 years old. We are 8 years old. That's why we liked it. And I bet you right now, my little uh, grandson is going to uh, Michigan for uh, a vacation with his other grandparents. But I bet you when he gets his hot little butt back here, If I get that movie and put that movie on, I bet you that kid will love it. And you might wonder how this all ties in with today's concepts and all. I think there's something we lost with those movies from the 80s. And think about the movies from the 80s that are in this vein. They had the, the Rocky sequels. We had movies like Iron Eagle, right? This movie, Over the Top. We had all these movies where there was a good guy and a bad guy. It's just a classic protagonist and antagonist. And in most of these movies, there were multiple antagonists. The protagonist was fighting, in, in the instance of this movie, there was the, the father-in-law who wanted to keep him from his son because he thought he was nothing but a loser. And there was this, this huge mountain of a man that he had to defeat in order to, to, to like recapture his life. And if you think about there was always that. Iron Eagle, the kid was like a, a screw up in school, plus he had to get his dad back with an F-60. It's not going to happen, right? Huh, Chappie, right? But there was this optimism. And I think it's why those of us from Generation X accomplish so much in our lives. I think it really is, because we grew up with that. If When I was a little kid, if you would have went, like, when I was in, like, second grade and asked, like, all the boys in the class... What do you want to be when you grow up? At least every fourth one, probably every third one, would have said an astronaut. 
And well, what are you going to be when you go? What are you going to do when you're an astronaut? I'm going to go to the moon. We hadn't been to the moon in 10 years, and we weren't going back. We didn't care. We thought, like, well, well when I want to go, we'll go to the moon. This was the attitude we had. And I think a lot of it was the culture that was in the types of things that were popular movies and popular songs. And as bad as this movie was, I think this song never did as, as well as it could long term because it's associated with, it's a great song. You know, the winner takes it all, the loser takes the fall. But there's the flaw. There's the flaw for Gen X. This is why we opened ourselves up to this softer generation and everybody wins and everybody gets a trophy. Because we thought so much about winning, and since it was so reinforced there had to be a bad guy, the concept of winning was, for me to win, someone has to lose. Well, if you're playing poker for money, to win, someone has to lose. If you're arm wrestling, for you to win, somebody has to lose. If you're playing a game of baseball, for somebody to win, somebody has to lose. But we can all be winners. And I don't mean in a screwed up way today where we take an Easter egg hunt, move it into a parking lot, and put all the eggs out in the open so the kids can find them easily. I don't mean in the way today where when, when the season ends and one team won all the games, the other team lost all the games, they get the same trophy. I don't mean that way. And I don't even mean that, like, well, even the team that came in last place learned something about themselves so they deserve a trophy. I don't mean that way. I mean, we can all be winners because we can all choose our own battle and our own enemy. And in many cases, that battle we win doesn't require a loser. Let me ask you this. So four years ago, Jessica Dixie Mills decided she was going to accomplish hiking the Appalachian Trail. And when she had finished that, she had already talked about doing this Triple Crown thing, though she hadn't talked herself into it yet. But basically, I bet you when she was halfway through the AT, she was thinking, I should really do all three. Now, she's, she's going to get it done. She's halfway there. Okay. Did she win? Would you call that being a winner? Okay, great. I think we agree. She won. Who lost? Who lost because she won? Ten years ago, in a few days... I climbed into my little car, driving home from a, a career, a, a great career, making a lot of money, but I hated it. I didn't want to be there anymore. I turned on my recorder, and I started doing this podcast, and I said, I'm going to build this thing into a business that gives me lifestyle freedom for the rest of my life, and I did it in 18 months. Did I win? Okay, I did. Who lost? Who lost because I won? If we can recapture some of the vision we had in the 70s and 80s with songs and movies like this, with an understanding that victory is not always the defeat of another person. Sometimes it's the defeat of self-doubt. Sometimes it's the defeat of life that makes you miserable. Sometimes it's the defeat of being broke. Sometimes there's so many ways that works out. There's so many battles that we need to be fighting where just because we win doesn't mean somebody else loses. When I listen to this old music and I watch these old movies, that's what I realized it really inspired me as a child. Sure, there was a point where I was always looking for who's the adversary. But in the end, I realized the greatest adversary lied within. We need to teach children and adults, apparently, to stand up against all adversaries, including the internal internal one, and make things happen. And that to be a winner doesn't necessarily mean that someone has to lose. 
We can learn from losing too. And that means in those situations, someone does have to lose, and that's okay. Because that same person can turn around and win at something else. We all have the potential for greatness at something. The journey is in discovering that. That's what Jessica and I were talking about today. With that, this has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to, like make, how to live that better life if times get tougher, even if they don't.